it does take a massive amount of courage because you have just got to make your own rules and it's really hard to break out from the rules that you've been taught. Hey guys and gals and non-binary pals, this is Courage and Spice, the podcast for humans with self-doubt, hosted by me, Sass Petherick. I'm a coach and supervisor and I'm a little bit obsessed with how we heal the root causes of our self-doubt. On the podcast, you can expect interviews with delightful humans and evidence-based resources and original coaching tools. So if self-doubt is holding you back, then Courage and Space was made especially for you with so much love. I'm so glad you're here. Everyone, Ali from Enthusiast and Co. is here. Ali is a writer. She publishes Voracious magazine. She has an ace online shop. She is an enthusiast expert literally she's just graduated with a master's degree in enthusiasm I didn't even know you could do that but I took one look at Ellie wearing red pajamas with a feather trim under her graduate gown and thought okay we need to be friends Ellie I'm so excited to talk to you welcome Thank you so much for having me. I would like to to let the listeners know to pull back the veil of recording. I am not in red feathers today, so apologies, everyone. But just preserve that image of me in your mind, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it so much. So tell me about you and enthusiasm. What's the deal? Why spend a master's degree studying it? Oh, because I love it. it. Because I love it. Yeah, so I am originally a copywriter and I actually started out in the wedding industry. So I have another copywriting business and that's what I set that up kind of in the fallow period between you know in your third year of uni when you finished your exams but you haven't yet graduated and so you're like oh this is the last hurrah so whilst everyone else was getting their jollies I was setting up a business and I just got a lot of lots of lovely support of course but I also got quite a few people saying isn't it weird that you're so obsessed with weddings when you're only 21 and I was like well I don't think it's really weird really I just I, you know I love love and etc etc I got a fair few people saying do you think it's because your parents are divorced and I was like yes probably but now's not the time to go into that um, and so I just it got me thinking really about why everyone else thought it was so strange and why I hadn't even stopped to consider how it might be perceived as strange considering that for my entire life I've been worried about nothing more than what other people think of me and so it got me reflecting on my relationship with enthusiasm how it's always been a guiding force in my life and then yeah I was looking around for kind of for people like me and I knew they were out there but I couldn't really find somewhere that was talking to us and oh. so the enthusiasts kind of naturally spawned from that I just I sewed a t-shirt for one of my brand shoots that said enthusiast and then people asked if I could sell it and then it kind of all spiraled from there really amazing so I need to just pause and ask, have you seen, of course you've seen, Muriel's Wedding? Yes, yes. <laughs> Do you know, me and one of my besties watched it recently. We're both, she's Australian, I'm in New Zealand, and we watched it and we were terrified that it was going to be really shit. <laughs> and it's not, it still holds up. I love it. I love it when that happens, when you go into it, like, oh, right, okay, I'm prepared, prepared to lose my love for this. And then it still holds up and you're like, oh, thank God, thank God for that. It was so good. It was, yeah, I highly recommend Mirror's Wedding. Go watch it. Think of Ellie. Okay, so one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about enthusiasm is I spent last year exploring my relationship with disappointment because I realized that the risk of being disappointed was holding me back from quite a lot. Like it was Part of my self-doubt, I, th I think it's probably why I used to drink. And what I've noticed since I've got much more of a handle on it is how much more joy and energy and enthusiasm I have for life. 
Like I'm letting myself care deeply about a lot of things. And honestly, I've got a bit of a problem with it because I feel like I just feel so much more, like my heart's oh my been blown open. Like yeah. I cry all the time. And yeah. it's it's the ugly cry. Like, yeah. So I feel like enthusiasm's kind of opened this doorway into living more fully that I got there through making some peace with disappointment. Think about like just how much of my life I've spent trying to not be disappointed, but how much that's held me back from joy. Mm. Comments? <laughs> <laughs> I am sort of, my mind is still reeling from you saying that your word of the year last year was disappointment because I just think that's so brave to face that head on because as you were saying why you chosen that and how you know you felt like a lot of your decisions had been held back by your fear of being disappointed or disappointing I was like yep yeah, yep yeah, relatable and then I was like okay sure but I'm not going to make my word of the year disappointment like big up you so just let's give you your flowers thank you very much but yes I think the that is the downside to not the downside to enthusiasm but that is the risk you run with enthusiasm is that you do end up feeling things so deeply and I always it's something I kind of coined as a term is I'd rather be pathetic than apathetic I think we yes. often in this society you know demean people for caring too much and there are all sorts of ways that we maybe do and we could steal ourselves more but generally I think it is worth it's a risk worth taking is that because you see everything in, in technicolor and I think that's a yeah. really lovely thing but yeah the the other the flip side of that is that everything affects you at all times and you're just like oh my god <laughs> well and I was thinking of you leading up to this conversation and thinking you must feel like this all the time yeah. because even, because even you're so I open yeah and even with like just for example and this isn't necessarily a feelings thing but I stopped reading for ages just kind of fell out of love with it and then started back in 2021 and I now get so paralyzed by the fear of not being able to read all the books I want to read in the world like I could I could stop my job and just keep reading every day every hour of the day and I still would not be able to get through all the books that mm. I want to in my lifetime and I just need to accept that fact but there's something within me that will not accept that like I hate the fact that there's just so much to do to feel to see to live and I really I, I still haven't made peace of the fact that that's not always going to be yeah within my you know I'm not gonna be able to contain it I share that fear you, do you know that's reminding me weird fact at the beginning of the pandemic where we didn't really quite know how this was going to mm. go on I had this reoccurring dream that my new job was to go and collect up all the unread unfinished books from the people that had passed away and it just left me like it just opened me to such a huge level of grief like I I honestly would wake up like kind of sobbing like oh he didn't finish the one yeah, line not... the witch in the wardrobe <laughs> I'm not I mean I'm not surprised that's quite a quite an intense dream I would say yeah I, my dreams tend to be a bit specific and I think that's the thing isn't it when you open yourself up to enthusiasm which for me is very closely tied to joy mm -hmm. there is this thing of there is a risk of disappointment like there is that risk there is the thing that when we're very much open to the the emotions that feel quite intensely positive that's that it's always going to be fleeting for a start but also that somehow it it shows us the flip side there's a shadow to all of it yeah and I think it's 
it is a very vulnerable thing. And that's something I don't take lightly when I'm talking about it. Because I think on the surface of it, I think enthusiasm can seem quite surface level, quite like toxic positivity. You know, we're all on Instagram. We all know the kind of like love and good vibes, you know, love and light vibes that pervade. And I think on the surface, a lot of people think enthusiasm could be like that. But I actually think it's so deep rooted and connected that, yes, as you say, there is a complete shadow side to it now. And it does require vulnerability, which can require a lot. But as I say, I do think the payoff is is worth it. But yeah, it does make it quite an intense experience yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I wonder if you found this as well, like it seems to be a kind of an Eng- English, perhaps British mm-hmm. humour is very much tied to bit of sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Don't get too excited about something, right? And I mean, I I think for me personally, like it was one of the ways I emotionally armoured up was to embrace my sarcasm. But I can also see now, like we don't like women to be too joyful in our culture. Enthusiastic women are ungovernable. Mm-hmm. You start talking to a knitter about their projects, that's it. You're there yeah. for an hour. <laughs> And I do think we're, I do think we're, uh, I'm like British women, I think are in a real middle of the Venn diagram of like, as women, we're not allowed to be enthusiastic about what we want to be. And that's what my dissertation was on for my MA was on how fangirls are treated and how they're demonised in in a way that football fans, for example, simply aren't. Um, And so I think women have it really hard. I think British people, particularly, we don't like to, yeah, show that we care too much. We've got very kind of stoic, as you say, sarcastic Mm. element, I think as creatives as well. It's very hard to, in in the world, (laughs) be seem to be enthusiastic because the you know especially if you put your all into it if you're making it your job or whatever the the risks are huge but yeah it's as you say it does make you ungovernable which I think is quite exciting <laughs> like I, I, do I, too. I would quite like to be unhinged <laughs> yes yeah I'm all for it the older I get the more I can see the ridiculousness of mm. what what it means to be told how to be yes yeah, I, I hope to get there one day. I say this as somebody who like, you know, as I say, it's it's funny because one of the like mantras of that I'm trying to embody this year is I am cringe, but I am free, which I saw yes. floating about on the internet, which I think is very related to enthusiasm in terms of a lot of society generally doesn't want us to be enthusiastic. And so sometimes it reads as cringe or embarrassing or, you know, insert any kind of demeaning yeah. word here. But I also hate being cringy <laughs> so I'm saying this is somebody who really does need to work this year on becoming more unhinged delightfully joyfully unhinged I think that's one of my dreams is to just kind of let loose those shackles a bit and yeah just kind of feel that more I love that well tell us about your dissertation like what did you discover about women and in th- enthusiasm I so the my specific my degree was kind of linguistic based so it was a study a quantitative study slash qualitative really because I didn't really decide on a method I was like well, I just really want this idea and I'm going to retrofit <laughs> and this is what I'm going to find and I'm going to retrofit the method luckily the findings held out but it was yeah so it was a, discover, a discussion of how a particular newspaper treated One Direction fangirls between 2011 and 2015 and I, I did go into it thinking maybe I just have a particular interest in this because I am a massive fan of One Direction so I was like maybe this is just my my cross to bear um, and then I found one of the article titles was why One Direction fans are like jihadi brides and I was like no okay I've not made this up like this there's there's something wow. here and my my final result was which is my title was that 
female fans are pathologized, patronized and hypersexualized. And essentially it was just a reminder that we can't win whatever we do. Yeah. You know, it was either we were seen as the fangirls were seen as young and childish, but they were also seen as absolute horn dogs like who just wanted to rip the band's clothes off. They were also seen as insane, but also not seen as having any agency or any making any decisions. It was just, yeah, it was a real reminder of how we can't win whatever we do. Um, mm. So, you know, my unofficial conclusion was obviously just to stop playing by the rules. Because if we can't yeah. win, then let's play our own game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, even hearing you talk, I'm thinking about the women that are enthusiastic, that do have agency, that are doing it on their own terms. Like, mm. Like I'm thinking about the the British women's football team, Chloe yes. Kelly ripping her shirt off and yes. after she scored and just how that was this kind of completely unapologetic enthusiasm and joy and celebration yes. and how a certain newspaper didn't quite know what the hell to do with it. It was like, is this a good thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, they won. This is good for Britain. This is good for football. But do we want that, like, and she showed her bra in public. Oh my exactly. god! But you know? she didn't show. But she didn't show her breasts, which is what we wanted. So yeah. what do we do here? <laughs> yeah, it was like a total kind of mindfuckery for them. Mm. So I'm curious to know about like that idea of there's no way to win if you're playing by the rules. So playing by your own game that to me sounds like something that needs a lot of courage. Yes, definitely. And I do think it's, and again, it does, you know, comes with a massive amount of privilege. I think it does take a massive amount of courage because you have just got to make your own rules and it's really hard to break out from the rules that you've been taught, you know, and also we all know that as you so brilliantly say in all of your work, like your self-doubt is there to keep you safe. There's a reason it's there and to kind of sometimes go against that can be terrifying but I think it ultimately my theory is anyway that it will pay off because you'll feel more connected to yourself and you'll feel more alive hopefully at the end of it because you'll feel like you're finally doing what you want to do and I think the secret to it is to find people that share your enthusiasms for your identities for your passions for the things that bring you joy like yeah do it in a crowd because that's where you find your support and your sense of not being alone in it Mm -hmm. that it normalizes your experience and you get to play on and you know soak up other people's enthusiasm too yeah definitely and even if they don't share your specific enthusiasms because so I talk about enthusiasm in two ways I think you can have general enthusiasm which is like a general get up and go a joie de vivre which is what I have or you can have specific enthusiasm so you can have you know hobbies or pastimes or whatever and I think even if you can't find somebody with your very specific enthusiasms I think surrounding yourself as you say with a with a group of people who really understand the depth of your enthusiasm the embodiment of how it feels and really encourage you you know to go and chase those things and to be there for you when things do happen I think that's a great way to kind of arm yourself and yeah and go out in the world and do it I completely agree and that's what I've that's what I've loved about setting up the businesses that I've found so many people who who act as that hopefully I've helped other people but realistically it's been great for me as well and I guess on the flip side of that and I see this a lot particularly with creative people who I think tend to see the world slightly differently like they often will subvert and they have a different lens to see things and that's that's the gift of creativity right 
but we sometimes get overwhelmed. We have either too many ideas about one thing or too many enthusiasms generally. Do you see this with folks and in your research? And I wonder what advice you might have for anyone listening who's like, that's totally me. (laughs) Yes, I absolutely do. And I was actually reading a really interesting book called Wishcraft by Barbara Sher. Yes. And she has a bit in it. I love her. Yes, me too. And I have that she has a bit in there about how to essentially, if you can't figure out like what it is you want to do. And I mean, hers is slightly, that book is aligned towards goals, isn't it? Not necessarily enthusiasm, Mm. but I thought it was a really helpful model. She has some different models of how to make sure that you're giving all of the things you want enough space and time in your life so I can't remember all of them but basically it's like you can have some of them tessellating so you can do six months on one thing and six months on another or you can have kind of a main deal and then like a side dish and she has loads of different explanations of that but I think what I really liked about that approach was that she recommends you just like get it all out on paper first and I think that's a really lovely way of honoring whatever it is because it might be something that you think is tiny but actually Mm. once you write it out on paper you look at it and think oh yeah no I love that like that gives me so much joy I feel so strongly enthusiastically about that and then you know with her with those bits you can work out how to give each of those time in your life but yes I think that's such a common thing is like so many things so little time what do I do? Oh my God, I love it all. And then you end up doing nothing, don't you? Because that's the way it yes. works. You get paralyzed, yeah. the perfection, the procrastination, the procrastifying. You're like, oh God, well, I just, I don't know what to pick. So I'll do none of it. And then you don't feel nourished at all. Exactly. <laughs> Which is so counterproductive. <laughs> yeah, I love this. And, you know, I, I'm feeling this because one of the things I'm trying to do more of is, is creativity in different mm-hmm. forms. For about a year, I've been sharing on a Friday morning comfort blankets, which are just the mm-hmm. memes of the posts that I love on, on Instagram. And they, it's so cool because it feels like Friday morning, everyone's getting their morning coffee and we're all talking about the same thing. Like, I yeah. just love the comments on those posts. But I thought, maybe I could create my own. And I started, like, not long ago. And I've only just been started to share them. I'm loving the process of, fi- A, finding the images that just spark joy And also the words, like it feels like a poetic exercise for me. Mm. I love it so much. But I've just signed up to do Sophie Howarth, who's a a friend and a podcast guest. She is running a poetry, write poetry course for like five weeks. And I think it starts in March. And my husband bought us, because the couple that stays together makes together or the other way around. We're doing like pottery. We're going to, honestly... It's going to be like shit pots ahoy. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. If you don't set up a subsidiary business called shit pots ahoy, I will be angry. Can I just say? Honestly, there is a part of me that thinks this could be an Etsy store, but I'm trying to resist that part of me because she's dumb. (laughs) And that is another enthusiasm thing is like, you know, as soon, because I think that's also because of how we've been brought up, you know, the kind of society we live in, as soon as we have a hobby, we immediately think, well, how can I monetize it? Maybe I could make this my thing. And I think that's something for, for ages. I really like at the start of my enthusiasm journey I really banged the drum of like you know if you if you do what you love you'll never work a day in your life and now I really feel like I'm backtracking previous Ellie was as you say as you said about your Etsy lover dumb yeah. previous yeah. Ellie was dumb because I think there is absolutely yeah. no problem in doing a nine-to-five that pays the bills that just as long as it feels okay and then yeah. coming home and doing hobbies just for you yes so I take back my Etsy comment, but I do think Shit Pots Ahoy is an excellent name. So and I think maybe anyone, like, anyone some, can somebody take can it. take it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's our <laughs> gift to the world. <laughs> 
Well, and it's that thing, isn't it? The commodification of creativity. Mm. I just feel like, oh, that kind of, it makes it a bit ick for me. Mm-hmm. I d- I'm not, I'm not into that. So yeah. our cupboards will be filled with shit pots, ahoy, <laughs> and my friends will get them as gifts. <laughs> I had this, I literally had this yesterday. So I've, I used to be really creative and then I kind of, it fell by the wayside and I did the thing where my creative outlet was writing and I'm now lucky enough that that's my job, but I didn't really follow the thought through enough to kind of replace my creative top you know top up my creative juices with something else I was just writing and writing all the time but I started a new co-working space a couple of weeks ago and I lost my key card like three days in and I was like right this is embarrassing I can't do this again so I decided to make a lanyard but I thought I'd make a really cute little beaded one and then I wore it and my very nice friends were very complimentary they were like oh I would love one of those and then I was like oh oh a little sideline hustle and I was like Ellie no we've done this cycle before just make them a nice beaded thing like a friendship bracelet and then just move on like don't make it your entire a your entire personality which is what i do or b don't make it your entire business like just calm down so completely understand (laughs) i love that so much and i think this comes to me in the form of doing more things for love Mm. like just that feels good like because i think that's the thing isn't it when we first start a business we're usually like I'm never going to work another day in my life. And little yeah. did I know I was going to work every day way harder and it might nearly kill me if I don't mm-hmm. put some boundaries mm-hmm. in place. Because I think that's the thing, isn't it? When you do love what you do, you're less likely to actually take care of yourself in it. Yeah. And also it feels more tied to your identity. And, you know, that's not to yeah. say that it's, you know, I think people who work jobs that maybe don't feel like they're, you know, one true calling, they still can massively become your identity. But I think when you have created the work for yourself and you've created the life for yourself, when you've literally set it up to serve you, it then does completely become one of the same with you. I think yeah. it's even harder to separate yourself from it. That's the thing that I'm finding in getting much more comfortable with things being, things not working out being disappointing I'm way more likely to just do it because I I feel like I will genuinely love this it feels very aligned to my values to who I am or who I know myself to be and I'll see what happens it's an experiment yeah but I'm gonna throw myself at it and be present to it and enjoy it and I can always change my mind it's like what I love that. And I love that that's kind of a close neighbor to, you know, the romanticizing your life trend that's happening. Yeah. And I, I love that because I do think you've just got to do everything with love because otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. And I do think there is a direct path from us being as unhinged, your words, which I love, as possible. I think that's a new t shirt line. Yeah, um, maybe. <laughs> as, as unhinged, ungovernable as possible, doing things for love. I think that's actually how we create the world we want to live in Mm, where we aren't commodifying the tits of every single thing you know Mm. or if we do we do it in a way that doesn't burn us out and you know make us become I don't know weird capitalists (laughs) I completely agree and I also I also think like trying to encourage people to do that earlier on in life I think because I feel like Mm. the stories we we do have models of people who are you know become unhinged but it's usually like 
a, a woman who has had a radical life change in her like you know mid 50s late late 50s early 60s whatever and i do think encouraging people to <clears throat> do that earlier so that we don't just have this notion of the unhinged woman as like a three-time divorcee or whatever we just have yeah. it as somebody who you know taps into their full potential of unhingedness yeah um, earlier on because then yeah then you don't have to deal with that you can reap the rewards of that for longer yeah yeah i mean just removing the the burden on kids to choose yes. their life path oh my god yes. at 10 i mean yeah. maybe maybe that's not a great place to to do it and also to just let people change their mind. I think that's something yes. as well. Like, you know, we really have a societal thing about people who change their jobs. And that's something that I'm kind of not struggling with at the moment. But so in my other job, I write people's about pages on their websites a lot. And, and mm. something people come to me with a lot is, oh, I've changed career four times. Or other. But I actually think that's quite a strength because it means that then that, you know, they've got all of this experience from different parts of life and there will be a running thread through it. That's what I really yes. enjoy doing is finding the running thread because it, Obviously, the running thread is you, the person, but there'll be something within all of those things. But yeah, I think societally we could do a lot better to just accept that sometimes people will do a job for a couple of years that will serve them, and then they could be like, "No, I want to change paths now. I've, that's that's changed. That has served me, but I'm moving on." I think we should all be a bit kinder towards that as well. I mean, my favourite people are the ones that have kind of gone through the birth death cycle within a mm. lifetime about four or five times. Yeah, they're way more interesting. Then yeah. someone who went, yeah, at 10, I wanted to be a doctor. So I became a doctor. And, and like, full respect to those people. My friend, when I was at school, yeah. he, he, knew, he knew he wanted to be a vet when he was two. And then, like, literally two. And then he went to veterinary school and he's now a vet and he's, like, loving it. And it's, you know, very happy for him. But I, I couldn't live, you know, when I was eight, I wanted to be a marine biologist. And then I decided I didn't like octopuses. And I also get quite scared on boats. And I was like, well, I imagine if I'd, like, really gone down that path, I'd be absolutely screwed. <laughs> Like they're quite a key part of marine biology, I would say the sea. Yeah. What yeah, was I thinking? Well, odds are you are gonna come across octopi at some yeah. point. And I and do it not would want have just to. been embarrassing. Whenever they come off my TikTok screen, I'm like, no, move. I just can't deal with them. But the things that we do have that ick for tell mm. us so much about what we're not enthusiastic for as well. Mm -hmm. How many people do we know who go, I really want to do that? And you just know. <laughs> you're like do you though yeah yeah I agree yeah. and I also think it's <clears throat> I think that's something that I've seen in the past few years as well as I think people are getting better at feeling like they can outsource that kind of thing you know because you just there will always be somebody who loves what you don't like to do I a couple of years ago invested in like somebody to help me with my onboarding and my systems and stuff and I could not believe there was somebody who not only didn't hate it but actively liked it enough that they would get they would do other people's for them and I was just like this is insane like why, why are you doing this but obviously they loved it and I think you just got to find the person who loves to do the bits that you don't want to do and then yeah release them release yourself and get on with the stuff you actually want to do <laughs> okay so now my brain is spinning because I need to outsource a romantic camping weekend with my husband. <laughs> As in, you want somebody to plan it or you want somebody to go on it? No, go on it. Okay. I love not camping. I love not camping. Sure, I love sure, the great sure. indoors. Yes, fair enough. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe maybe somebody will message in. Yeah, please do, folks. Just message in. <laughs> we'll, we'll run a panel. It'll be fine. Oh, my God, Ellie, this has been amazing. I could talk to you all day. 
Oh, well, I mean, I'm glad you said that because now that we are friends, your words, then I will not let you go. So okay, I'm happy cool. about this. <laughs> cool. Good. Love that for us. <laughs> Good. Do you like camping? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've dabbled in my day. We'll take it from there, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Ellie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me.